Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit contractproperties.net. Coming up right now on the Midday 180. Team Pease gives you the defensive game plan on how to slow down the Browns' rushing attack. The VolQuest Tower is jam-packed with news and notes from Knoxville, and John McClain previews NFL Week 13. The Midday 180 starts now. From 104.5 The Zone, this is the Midday 180. Delivered by Edley's Barbecue. With Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. From Music City to the Upper Cumberland, the Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue. The crew is all here, except for the chairman of the board, David Reed, who has a well-deserved day off. Lucas Panzica, don't screw this up. We have full <laughs> nice. faith in you, my friend. Gentlemen, good morning. Good, good morning from Nashville, as we say hello to Jonathan <laughs> Hutton in the Upper Cumberland. The gym of the Upper Cumberland, the place that educated one Kirby Allen Kirby, Cookville, Tennessee. He's not educated. We are at the Titans Pro Shop, by the way, and if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, stop by today at Nissan Stadium. Best selection of Titans apparels and merchandise anywhere. Plus, you can get ready for Sunday's Code Blue game and shop their selection of Code Blue apparel. And don't miss the current deal of the week, the Titans 47 brand grind MVP hat. For just $19.95, it was $30. I need to see this hat, if you can. It's right here. Okay, that's not the hat that I'm looking for. My father, Tom Withrow, saw the Tom Titans bad. coaches wearing a oh, gray Titans hat. With a circle badge on it. Yes. She's running the He game. saw it on the Thursday night game. Yeah, it's a good-looking hat. And he has talked about it to my mom ever since, and I, I will need to, I will need to see comes. that hat. Here it comes. Merry that's Christmas, it. Look at that. Tom Withrow. What a nice delivery. This will be purchased. I'm right here. Hutton, it Hutton looks like it's a Zoom. size, look so at this. you might need a size. I'll have to find out his size. but this, That's a good-looking hat. Tom Withrow is a fan of wearing ball caps, and he will be wearing Let this. me say this about the long-sleeve code blue T-shirt. It is one of these super soft T-shirts. Um, I would highly recommend it. Um, and it's too bad this game it didn't get flexed for this one reason. The, the Titans have these LED lights now at Nissan Stadium. We saw them on the Thursday night game, but we're, we're not going to see them frequently enough um, because of all the daytime games. Um, so it, it Code Blue, they took some pictures the other night, tweeted them out of the stadium, bathed in the light blue light, which looks fantastic. Um, but, you know, the limited attendance will, will hurt, obviously, the blue look and the, and the daytime game. Still, people get fired up for it, and they've got this light bulb deal. You could come by here, get a free light bulb. You can make your porch light blue. Um, and people get fired up for the code blue, and as they should. It's a cool concept. Titans and Browns coming up this weekend, balls and gators and much more. Uh, and we have state championship action here in Cookville. I'm live from Stonecom, Larry Stone's facility. Where I walk in, Chad, you'll appreciate this. Paul, I don't think you've been here. I have not. Uh, uh, walked in. He had uh, coffee on my left, Red Bull on my right. Wow. I was in heaven. 
Nice. <laughs> Amazing. All sorts of it, uppers does <laughs> when he, he walked it, into this facility. Does he call it Stonecom, or do you guys just call it Stonecom? No, that's the name of his company, Stonecom. Oh, so like it's it. on the side of the building, yeah. Well, give my um, best to Larry. I haven't seen him in some time. I, I will. I will. He's he's down the hall, probably hiring and firing someone right now. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, well, I'll send him his best or your best whenever uh, I, I leave today. Uh, the guy keeps a tight schedule, but he's nice enough to to let me in, and um, he's my my favorite and my first boss with Titans Radio. Love the guy, and uh, the the facility here is state of the art. Um, and as you can see, it's raining here. I have the. I have the radar behind me. <laughs> it's very. Uh, I'm gloomy. in the weather center. I'm in the weather center here at Stonecom. So, uh, yeah, we're we're looking forward to state championship action. It starts at 11 a.m. this morning. But Chad and I will be on the call for South Pittsburgh and Fayetteville. And if you have no rooting interest, you can tune in as I compliment Chad once, at least once per quarter, probably more, to be honest, uh, throughout this game. Where I can say, Chad, today that you are the best broadcaster, even with conjunctivitis. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, Bob Costas had conjunctivitis and peak eye, so I, I probably it's it's Costas and then Withrow in terms of pink eye. Well, I can report that uh, Chad looks nothing like Bob Costas did. No, so That's was I've that got, was that in Sochi? I've got a slight <laughs> eye infection. That was the best was, in North America. Yeah, that was in Sochi. Yeah, you could say best in North America. Was it Sochi or was it London? I think no, it was I thought he was in Russia. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was Sochi. Putin had something to do with this infection in Costa's eye. That's my, that's my guess. So, yeah, I wake up. You know, I'm going to be on television the next two days. So the perfect time to wake up where your eye is swollen shut and red uh, with some sort of uh, infection. I thought it was allergies. Yesterday my eye was getting a little bit red, and I was sneezing. And yeah. I get eye allergies. Time, okay, it's just some sort of allergic reaction. Wake up with it this morning. Go see my optometrist, Dr. John Franklin. Uh, his, his brother was uh, one of my basketball coaches. I think you guys have met him at one of our shows, uh, one of my coaches growing up. Great guy. And he gives me this eye drop. I feel like, guys, this is like, remember when Mickey Mantle got the shot? That was like the shot to the stars that, that got infected? The thing that was in his hip? They said different athletes and actors got this, and it was a miracle drug, and he had some New York doctor that gave it to him. I got this eye drop, and Dr. Franklin told me, this thing is going to make your eyes look brighter than they ever have before. And look at this. Both of them, as you see, Crystal clear, clear as can be. So you're not going to be able to see anything. And they gave me you know, an antibiotic drop also to get rid of the little infection that I had. But this eye drop worked miracles. So, Hutton, I am happy to tell you that I will not be embarrassing you with the look of my eye. I will not be rolling in there looking like Bob Costas, which I was certain was going to be the case. I didn't know whether to tell people I got poked in the eye, if I had some sort of infection. Everybody's freaked out about infections and disease right now. They want to scare people, but that is no longer an issue after this miracle eye drop. I'm staying away anyway, um, and we're obviously socially distanced here, but uh, this is very, very contagious, and you've disguised it. So now you can infect it doesn't, people. It doesn't have to be contagious. You can inf- it doesn't have to be. It just is. No, it could be, it could be bacterial <laughs> is what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be viral. It could be something that got into my eye. Could be. At some point. I'm Look, I'm laying around on the floor That's every good. night wrestling with a five-year-old and a 16-month-old. And who are there infectious. are a lot of things Kids that go on in that. Kids carry a lot of disease. There's also the a lot of things on their carry. hands. Yes, disease. I, the, I've got an 18-month-old that loves to put her 
finger in my eye. Her disease say eyes, finger. Eyes. But, Paul, there's a difference between bacteria and virus. I'll leave that to his doctors, not, not Dad. contagious. I'll leave that to the doctors. Could be bacteria that got in the eye. Just please keep your hands Either away way, from I'm my fine. eyes. Look, pace. I look terrific. I'm ready for this broadcast. I've yes. never felt better. My hair looks I'm having a great hair day. It's not going to be as good in the rain once I get to Cookville. It's not supposed to rain all day from what I'm seeing, and the weekend's supposed to clear up. Oh, it's going to rain in Cookville. Is that right? It's like 60 70% uh, up until yeah. about 5 p.m. Our game's at 3. But all it's Blue day. Cross weekend, Paul. It's going to rain all weekend here in Cookville. Is that mandatory? It's also mandatory to be yes. 10 degrees colder in the Upper Cumberland than it is in Nashville. Yeah, but just above here. freezing, so it's like it's rain. It's not it's not snow. It it's not beautiful it. snow. <laughs> right. It's ugly rain the whole time. It's 36 and raining. The worst possible conditions. Claire Tanzel, uh, Claire Tanzel Hutton tweets, Hutton, you better not bring that infection home with you. There's a lot of concern <laughs> throughout the Midday 180 family about this eye. As good as it looks. She, t- so. she tells me that every time I hang out with Chad. <laughs> <laughs> all sorts, all well, sorts of infections with whatever, Chad. Whatever he's got, whatever don't, he's got, I don't, I don't want it. That's right. I don't want it in this house. I I'll feel the same much. way. I've got a Saturday I don't know how you do business anymore. over there, but I don't want that infection in this house. My new nickname is just The Infection. <laughs> That's good. We should incorporate They that called me back in show. high school. Oh, you mean The Infection? The Midday 180 with Jonathan Hutton, The Infection, and Paul Kuharski. The Infection. The Infection. How, I, is it weird for me to say that I'm, I'm extremely jealous that you guys get to hang out with Kirby today? I miss yes. being at the post yes, shop. Yes, that's entirely weird. That's entirely it's weird. It's very, very weird. Monday, I lucked out and I hit the lottery. I didn't have I like, to hang out with Kirby. I just like observing Paul and Kirby in the same environment. Yeah, ready. He brought me the battery, which is right in front of me. The battery is two feet away, and Kirby brought it like in front of my face, like I couldn't see the uh, light bulb. Sorry, uh, like I couldn't see it from where it is. <laughs> he's bringing it to me, and he's he's describing it to me as if I have no idea what the light bulb deal is. How was Annoyance my connection number today? One. Is it is it? Yeah, decent? you're good. You sound great. Look good. Your hair is also, you're having a good hair day, and your eyes look just fine. I think Hutton and I are about to crush this broadcast later today. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like. We are just on point for a crushing. Will you get a game as good as the uh, Ingle Martin Trent Dilford? Uh, no, we will not. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, the, uh, hey, we'll, we'll see. Here, here's hoping it's better than the game I had last night. And I'm taking nothing away from MUS. They had a great season. Forty-four nothing is not a fun game to call for a state championship game. No, and increasingly uh, Macaulay, Macaulay won going away. There are too many of those games in state championships too that we see throughout the years when you have this one dominant team. Um, I think we're going to see a few of those, few more of those this weekend, unfortunately. But Hutton, I was shocked to see forty-four to nothing in that game. Yeah. I thought it would be closer than that. That was that was not a good game. But I did I did stick with it, and I watched you and Josh Corey on the call last night for quite a while. I did, not work in, <laughs> I did not work in the, uh, the going for the bundle. I will today. I will today. Uh, if, if Chad had two eyes, it would have been 88 nothing. But uh, with one eye, it's 44 it's 44. Once the infection starts to rear its ugly head again during the third quarter of today's game, I'm going to be looking at Hutton. Was that a first down? Hutton, I can't see through my left is eye. Is that a 10-yard gain or a 5-yard gain? I'm now a member of TLC. My name is Left Eye because that's the only eye I can see out of for this broadcast. I hope you guys get a Lisa a Left game. Eye Withrow. I will try. Oh, Chad Left Eye Withrow. I will try to remember to turn this on when I get home. Please do, Paul. 615-737-1045, our number. John McClain's about to hop on Zoom and preview NFL Week 13 with us. 
That includes Titans and Browns. Later, Paul, you have – all I know is you have an Adoree Jackson rant. Yeah, I'm getting frustrated with people. I have an Adoree Jackson rant, and I have some strong thoughts, not about Isaiah Wilson, but about the reaction to something that happened to uh, uh, involving Isaiah Wilson. We have that and more coming up, plus the VolQuest Hour with Austin Price and Brent Hubbs. But we talk NFL football next with John McClain. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue on 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. They will be open for delivery, and all of their locations today have the Nashville-style hot-pulled pork. Edley'sBBQ.com, the website, 12 Southeast Nashville, Sylvan Park. Chad and Paul are at the Titans Pro Shop Team Store, Nissan Stadium, right beside Gate 1 there at the stadium as the Titans take on the Browns this Sunday. Jonathan Hutton with you from Cookville. John McClain is in Houston. But first, Chad, tell us about some of the great deals going on there at the Titans Locker Room Team Store. That's right. And they've got some really good deals to get ready for this uh, weekend's Code Blue game. They've got your Code Blue apparel. And they've got the deal of the week, the Titans 47 brand grind MVP hat for just $19.95, formerly $30. And uh, so you can come down. We can see you here at the Pro Shop. We are here until 1 p.m. today getting you ready for Titans-Browns on Sunday. John, I hope you're doing well. Good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Doing well. Curious if the uh, – oh, there, there you go. I'm, I'm curious, John, if how many, how many teams right now are looking for stadiums. We know that San Francisco is going to be playing in Arizona, and now there are reports out that the Rams and the Chargers – in L.A. are looking for backup plans in case things shut down. Rams go to Arlington, Texas to play for at the Cowboys, and uh, and then the Chargers go to Vegas and play in the Raiders stadium, which is strange considering that they are in the same division. But they'll get it worked out. You know, you can't go to a city where, like San Antonio, would love to have an NFL team come, but the stadium – is not wired. It's not wired for to all the TV. It's not wired for communication with the league office. So that's why they can't go somewhere like San Antonio or St. Louis. They have to play in an NFL stadium. How are they trying to stagger things if, say, the 49ers and the Cardinals have a game on the same day? Are they staggering things where they're going to move games to a Monday or a Tuesday like we've seen? Or are they no. picking these stadiums because the schedules line up perfectly? Yeah, they line up perfectly in Arizona. They don't have to worry about that. But uh, I think there would not be a conflict for the Rams in Arlington. But I do think there's something would have to be worked out with the uh, Chargers playing a game or two at the same time. But that's easy enough to move. Uh, so I think they'll get that worked out. What you hope is that other states don't have lockdowns like they're going to in California and already have in Santa Clara County. Oh, forgive me if we've discussed this. Um, do, do you think having seen Tuesday night football out of necessity this year that ultimately um, the way they created a Thursday night deal that, that will see them create a Tuesday night deal? I think teams would fight it. You know, they didn't like Thursday, but they've gotten used to it. They don't like 
the short week, but they like the long vacation afterward. And the month. And really, it depends on what the networks want. They're in the process of renegotiating the network TV deals. Teams get $295 million each as it is. The ESPN's contract expires after next season. The other networks, the year after that, they're trying to bring back ABC. And there's no telling how many hundreds of millions teams are going to get. If the network wanted a game every night of the week, they would probably do it. But I do not see them going beyond Monday and Thursday. And you hope, of course, this is not an issue next year. They're going to love the rating for this coming Tuesday, John, with Dallas playing at Baltimore. Yeah, Dallas and Washington, even though both are terrible on Thanksgiving, they still drew 30 million. You know, if the NFL wanted the highest ratings, they would make sure the Cowboys were on every week, the Packers, maybe the Steelers, and the ratings would set all-time highs. But, of course, you can't do that. And it's amazing. It doesn't matter how bad the Cowboys are. A lot of people watch them because they want to see them lose. And then, of course, there used to be America's team. They still go by it. But uh, that will be a great rating. And I think they expect Lamar Jackson back. They're trying to be coy about it. But I would imagine he will return. Baltimore ought to win that game. The uh, Texans are going to have a hand here probably in who wins the AFC South. Uh, Two games against the Colts, one against the Titans. Do you think that they will mess things up for one of these teams, particularly the thought, Colts with two staffs? Well, first of all, they they almost beat and should have beaten if their defense hadn't collapsed, the Titans in Nashville. So if they almost beat them there, took them to overtime, stands the reason that they would have a chance to beat them here. But without Will Fuller, their best receiver, and Bradley Roby, their best corner, I think the chances have lessened. You know, those knuckleheads, it's just unbelievable in this day and age, but that, well, they it was innocent mistake. Well, if you wanted it to be an innocent mistake, why didn't you run it by the team like you're supposed to? Every player, it's drilled in them for the moment they're prepared for preparing for the NFL as rookies. Anything that goes into your body that doesn't come from the team, you have to run it by the team. And so they're gone. Also, the first game next year, I do expect both players to be back. And Fuller was playing great. I was looking up some stats besides his 53 catches, 879 yards, 16.6 a catch, and eight touchdowns. Watson's rating going to Fuller, 134.2. And and only he's number four in the league with catches of 40-plus yards, and he's eight touchdowns tied for fourth. So you take him out of there. The Colts have to worry about one deep threat. That would be Brandon Cooks. They didn't re-sign Kenny Stills. They want to see what their other guys can do. So I think their chances of upsetting the Colts here or the Titans here took a huge hit with the loss of those players because of knuckleheaded decisions. John McClain with us, and you can join him to talk NFL headlines at 615-737-1045. Our number, you call in, chat with Lucas, get on the line for John McClain. So, John, I want to ask you this because uh, you know him so well going back to his days at Baylor. Uh, Robert Griffin III, uh, what did you make of of his performance uh, for Baltimore? Let's see. He ran for more twice as many yards as he threw for, so his passing was not good. 
been a long time since he started. And of course they need to get Lamar Jackson back. But it's funny, the, the defense played well. Ben Roethlisberger threw a pass to James Washington with three guys on him. He completed it to secure the victory. And I don't think Baltimore would have scored again with McSorley at quarterback. It would replace Griffin, but at least Baltimore's defense played well enough to give them a chance all the way up to the end. But even though Lamar Jackson's not playing anywhere near as well as he did last year, there's still a different offense with him instead of RG3. John, it's the Titans and the Browns this Sunday, eight and three against eight and three. Let's start with Cleveland. How good can this Browns team be? Eight eight wins in the league at this point means you're doing some things right, despite the fact that they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat to be eight and three overall. When you look at the combined record of the teams they've won against, nonetheless, though, uh, a strong defense, really, really impressive rushing game. Uh, and Baker Mayfield hasn't thrown an interception in a month. Well, he didn't throw a touchdown pass for three games in a row at home when the weather was bad in all those games. He threw two last week, but I don't say, I don't think they're going to come close to the Titans. You know, they need Miles Garrett. He's been in and out of the lineup because of injuries and COVID-19. He was a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. But the running game, you know, that helps them control the ball. And if they can run, that would keep Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Johnny Smith, you know, on the bench. And there's not much they can do on the bench. So, you know, that's going to be the Browns' strategy. They play a lot of quick games because they run the ball so much. You know, when's the last time you had two bags on a pace for 1,000 yards in the NFL? Yeah. That's that's old-fashioned football, throwback football. That's the way you have to play in Cleveland with the stadium being right on Lake Erie where the wind is blowing all the time. It wreaks havoc with the passing game. So I look for the – I look for the – when you run the, have two teams that run the ball as much as they do, the games are usually closed. But, man, the Titans, they can, they can have some big-time scoring games too. And that's unusual for a team that runs as much as they do and as successfully they do with Derrick Henry. They got more, what, 40-point games than any team in the NFL? And Paul, this is something you and I can get into in the in the final hour for all the discussion about the the rushing performances uh, for both teams, both very highly touted and for good reason. If it comes down to a, a, a passing performance, Tannehill and AJ Brown and Corey Davis have been in rhythm now for several weeks. Baker Mayfield has Jarvis Landry, does not have Odell Beckham Jr., and that, to me, that's a big difference in the matchup. Yeah, they they don't have established uh, second people. Though tight ends are problematic for the Titans at this point in time. And uh, Ferkser on the injury report concerns me this week. We're going to get a verdict on that shortly. Um, Maybe not before the show's over, but uh, he's a little bit of a concern right now. And how the Titans deal with Austin Hooper, uh, to me, will be an issue in this game. Uh, and, and I think we're going to say that probably throughout the rest of the season and certainly into yeah. the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything, excuse me, Paul, from their offense that would scare the Titans. They, they yeah. won't say that, of course. Well, you know, the Titans' defense has been pretty bad, John. Well, the Texans' defense is bad, and he gave up 10 points. And they, <laughs> the offense had scored from the two-yard line. 
Texans would have won the game. Now, granted, the conditions were terrible, but uh, and the Texans can't run the ball and the Titans can. One of the things that impressed me the most, you hear people, they don't pay close enough attention to the Titans to know any better. They say, well, Tennessee is a running team. And no, if you look at, at Tannehill's stats and what about that Texans game where he had to bring them from behind? You know, he had to throw a lot in that game and he did a great job. So if a team does contain Derrick Henry, I think people should have a lot of confidence in Tannehill, especially the way those receivers had been developed. And Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, continues to do a tremendous job that there's a chance he'll end up being a head coach. Let's run through some of the the key games for week 13 and get John's take on a couple of these matchups. Let's start with New Orleans on the road at Atlanta. It's a Falcons team that started to play good football over the last couple of weeks. Meanwhile, the Saints, fortunate that they have Denver on the schedule last week with Drew Brees out of the lineup. Who are you taking? The Saints are 9-2 and overall, John. I'm not going against my preseason Super Bowl pick of the Saints. They got the best defense in the league right now. Who would have thunk that? Yeah. It's all about the offense with the Saints. The Falcons are great when it when it doesn't count. This is the second year in a row that uh, they've started to play near the end of the season. And I know I don't know if that was a great performance by them or a terrible performance by the Raiders. We'll get a much better idea about the Falcons from here on out, if they could pull an upset here, Saints are not the same team with Taysom Hill as they are with Drew Brees. But when your defense is playing like that and you can run the ball and spread the ball around passing like they do, they're going to be hard for the Falcons to beat. Key matchup in the NFC West as the Cardinals host the Rams, LA seven and four, Arizona six and five. I think if Arizona loses this game, they're not going to make the playoffs. And the Rams, Jared Goff has struggled. There was Sean McVay was asked if he thought about benching him. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, that's that's tough when you're seven and four. Their defense is playing great. You know, they let they they did not renew Wade Phillips's contract. And and Sean McVay hired a position coach from another team. I can't remember his name. And he's done a tremendous job. But uh boy, Kyle, I picked I picked the Cardinals because uh, Kyler Murray has to play a great game, and if they want to make the playoffs, I believe this is almost a must-win for them. 49ers on Monday Night Football hosting the Buffalo Bills. You know, at first glance, you think Buffalo goes on the road and wins this game, but the 49ers, despite all of their injuries and all of the issues, they they perform normally week in and week out. They put up the tough fights. They're 5-6 and six overall tough team no matter who's in the lineup for them they just swept the rams and robert Sala, their defensive coordinator everybody says he's finally going to get a head coaching job too he used to be here under gary kubiak you know nick mullins their quarterback has done a good job when he's had to play you know they 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 just the running game is good kyle shanahan has always insist on running the ball they're capable of doing it but you know, Buffalo's trying to stay in first place in the AFC East, and usually it's hard for a team to go across country, but I'm going, I'm going, it's indoors. I'm going with uh, the Bills. Chargers are another interesting team just because they, there are some weeks where 
they put up a, a matchup and a fight that you're not expecting. They're three and eight, but they have a lot of one score games in some cases. I know two of their losses have been on the final play of the game. They're hosting the Patriots. New England's trying to stay in the playoff mix at five and six. Anthony Lynn is getting roasted again for bad clock management. I'll be stunned if he's not fired. I'd, I'd want the offense great done a great job with uh, Justin Herbert to possibly stay, but you can't keep losing on bad clock management decisions by your head coach. So um, I, I, everybody likes Anthony Lynn, but man, they're so close to being a good team. And he's played a direct role in at least two or three of those losses. I, I, this I, is, I would never take Anthony Lynn over Bill Belichick, considering what's happened on the field with both teams. Belichick, of course, in history, but Lynn this season, he's certainly not going to have I'm doing it, John. Here, here's why. I've been talking about this over and over, how I look at spreads that are way off. And the Patriots are only favored by one in this game. That spread is way off. The Patriots yeah. should be favored by a lot more. And here's where I'm applying my theory, which has worked two weeks in a row, despite the fact that I'm dumb and haven't put money on. Patriots should be favored by more. Therefore, the off spread goes in favor of the direction that it's off. Chargers win. I wouldn't be surprised. I watched the Patriots lose here. Cam Newton has been terrible. And the other so game that I think is off, John, right. is the Houston game. I think the Texans win. Really? No, I certainly didn't. The spread's three. <laughs> it didn't change with four. Should be bigger. Should be with, bigger now with McClay, those guys out and with, with the Forrest Buckner back. John's reaction. About the spread, yeah. I, I, I don't have any confidence in the Texans' defense, so whatever it would be, I'd take the Colts. Chad. I'd take the Colts to I, win, I think, about 10. I thought three and a half was low when I saw right. it. It's cold so by three and a half. I'm outright. saying it should be more like six and a half, right. seven. Therefore, Houston wins outright. Yeah. Chad, what's the, who's, who's the guy that has the meme of the confused look that we always tweet each other or text each other? Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, it's, what, I think that, that's what John just looked like. Uh, yeah. I think did. the actor's name is Peter Krause, maybe. He was on Parenthood, but it's from a sports night, I think is what okay. the, the guy from that. Great uh, show. Yes. <laughs> And the, 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 Texans, the confused the man Texans meme beat, is the best. If the Texans beat the Colts, I will tweet that Paul Kaharski is a genius <laughs> at paulkaharski.com. Sweet. We'll read that in McLean tweets on Monday. Absolutely. John, thank you as always. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Texans, Colts, and we'll chat with you on Tuesday. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. I appreciate it as always, and good luck to the Titans. Thanks, John. Stay safe, John. Appreciate you. Uh, follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. From NFL talk to Vanderbilt coaching search discussion, Chad has mentioned a handful of names this week that have been discussed within the coaching search committee's room. Um, and Chad, coming up, Barton Simmons discusses a few of those projections, a few well, of those and, options. And one of those projections, one of those names being rumored is Clark Lee. I don't think anyone in college football media knows Clark Lee better than Barton Simmons who graduated with him and played football with him at NBA. So we'll talk with Barton about Clark Lee and about the other candidates at Vanderbilt. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue on 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. Online, edleysbbq.com. 
cutting with you in Cookville, Chad and Paul from Titans Titans Locker Room. It's Titans Radio on the call for Titans and Browns this Sunday from Nissan Stadium. And time to talk a little Vandy coaching search, Chad. Barton Simmons on the line with some background on one of the candidates. That's right. Barton Simmons, uh, National College Football Writer with CBS Sports. He's on the line with us right now. Good friend of the show. Joined us a lot in the past. Talking recruiting, talking uh, college coaching searches. And this one hits close to home uh, with Barton, of course, living in Nashville, seeing the opening at Vanderbilt. And uh, he's got uh, a tie-in with one of the coaches being mentioned also. Barton, thanks so much for hopping on. I think just kind of a general question to start. What does Vanderbilt need to do in this? And I saw you tweet out that if you're one of these coaching candidates, you're interviewing Vanderbilt as much as you're being interviewed by Vanderbilt in this process. What does Vanderbilt need to show in this hire? The program, obviously. They need to show the the resources that are going to go into it, the facilities that are going to go into it, the willingness to spend on uh, coaching staff, assistants, uh, analysts, all the things that go into becoming a big-time college football program because they're playing against big-time college football programs. So if you're going to skimp on things, you just don't have a shot. And so Vanderbilt needs to show a willingness to put that stuff in writing, put that stuff in the contract. Um, and, and that's what I think these candidates need to ask when they approach Vanderbilt. In terms of the Vanderbilt side of this, though, like well, one thing, and I think Candace Lee, uh, Story Lee was, was – um, impressive in her statements when she sort of talked about this job. And I think the context that she provided when she sort of hit on some of the points they were looking for was, was important. But just in terms of the, the snippet and the quotes that came out of it, one thing that kind of discouraged me in, in, in approaching this from like a Nashville native that you know, wants to see Vanderbilt be successful was the idea that they're looking for someone with an offense, an offensive system. And, and, and I get that because it goes away from what, what uh, Derek Mason was as a defensive coach and sort of the compulsion to do that. But Vanderbilt is playing in the SEC. And whatever offensive system comes in with Vanderbilt, the SEC is going to figure it out. You know, I mean, we saw Mike Leach, his area got figured out in one week and has been uh, sort of impotent here the rest of the season. So offensive system is great. But but ultimately, I think Vanderbilt should be hiring someone – that has a really strong vision for how this program should run, has a comprehensive vision for how it interacts with the community, what the recruiting looks like, strength and conditioning, player development, like that's the stuff and and, and building of a culture. That's the stuff that foundationally is going to make Vanderbilt a a competitive program. And if there's a, if there's some sort of flashy offensive system attached to it, then that's great. But, but ultimately to me, that that's a, that's a bonus. And, and I think that, you know, that that's going to be, I think, an important perspective that the Vanderbilt search has. Is your old NBA teammate, Clark Lee, someone who fits the description you just laid out, Barton? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can't feign complete impartiality here, right? Like, I, I, I acknowledge that um, I've known Clark for a long time. Um, but I do think, you know, I've sort of seen under the hood there. Um, I've been around him and seen him operate at several of his stops through his coaching career. And uh, I've talked to coaches that have coached with him, players that have played for him, players that have been recruited by him. So I kind of have a complete picture in a way that I don't have very many candidates anywhere in the country. And so I acknowledge that sort of offers up like a little bit of a different perspective. 
perspective and, and maybe gives them an advantage in terms of the way I look at things. But to me, I mean, I, I really – and there's other good candidates, and, and we can talk about them, and I think they have strengths for this job. But to me, he's perfect because, yeah, he's a defensive guy, but if you look at the way he's built defenses, the way he's coached his position room, the way he's coached his unit, it's not like he gets on the X's and O's or the, the whiteboard and can just out scheme people. He, he, his, his, you watch the way they beat North Carolina, the watch the way they beat Clemson. Like it's very clear what they're doing. They have this, this very comprehensive uh, game plan that's complementary to the offense, and his guys play really hard. And he has a really, like a really strong ability to connect with these guys and sort of know who they are and know what makes them tick and, and, and get get inside of their head and, and, and really sort of build a relationship with them to where he can push the right buttons in a really productive way. And I, I, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I think Mason, Derek Mason did a great job at Vanderbilt in a lot of ways. One of the things that I think was missing there from like a defensive coordinator, right? One of the things that was missing from the head coaching chair was his ability. I never really quite figured out what they were trying to be, what the identity of that program was. I don't, I don't ever feel like there was a, a clearly communicated vision for what Vanderbilt football is, how that you know, is supposed to mess with the community, how that is supposed to trickle down to recruiting. I think that, and, and, and Clark isn't a big sort of publicity guy. He's not out there preaching, you know, you know, going out of his way. But when you sort of hear him communicate, you guys at some point have a, point to, a chance to talk to him, whether it's, you know, this, this year or down the road. He, he does an incredible job of understanding what a message he's trying to deliver, who he wants to be, and how he communicates that. And I think those are the things at Vanderbilt that are, are critical because it, it's all about having a strong culture. I mean, we can talk about the sort of the, the, the um, counter-offensive around college football that have had success, but, but look at the programs that have been sustainable with people like Pat Fitzgerald, like what is their identity? Well, their identity is just toughness and winning close games and, and, and being disciplined and physical. And I think those are the type of things that, that is, you know, he would be able to provide. Uh, and as with any good defensive coach, I think he's a guy that people want to work you with. Know, as, as is necessary with any defensive, good defensive coach, he's a guy that people want to work with. So I think he's got a really, you know, good opportunity to hire the right people around him. Do you have a sense of what he'd want to be offensively or even who he'd be able to bring? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's something that um, he's going to have a good plan with. And then I think that, that when you look at even just what Notre Dame is and has become, I think there's a – I would think that there's going to want to be some sort of physical element to their game. Like I, I would be shocked if, if – if he goes into an interview with, with uh, you know, the hot shot air raid guy who's just going to throw it 50 times a game. I, I think that in, in the offenses that are really successful right now on the highest level, there's a, there's a physical element to them. And I think you see it with Notre Dame right now. They're very physical, but they're able to play with pace. They're able to play wide open. They're able to play to their, their, uh, their personnel. Um, and so I think you would see something where, you know, there would be there would be pace, there would be physicality, there would be the ability to to, to shift tempos, uh, but you'd be able to sort of stress defenses with with formations, with with shifts in motion and movement. 
and 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 I you know I would imagine that that you know I, I can't I, I I don't know intimately what the plan is, but I I think mobile quarterbacks and those sort of things are of value as well because I think that's that's sort of some of the the, the formulas that have worked in places then. But again, I, I, that that's all purely speculation. I, I I don't know what the plan is offensively. I just I just know that as as detail oriented and meticulous as he is, he'll have a plan. There's no question about that. Another name mentioned a lot alongside Clark Lee is another guy with the uh, state of Tennessee and some Vanderbilt ties, Will Healy, uh, another young coach. What do you think about him and his readiness for an SEC job, for a job like Vanderbilt? I think, in, and that's a really interesting comparison and contra- uh, you know, the, the contrast between those two, I think, is if they are, in fact, sort of leaders in this, this decision, like, I think it's a really interesting debate to have because, you know, Will Healy has head coaching experience, um, and he, he has sort of taken a, a program from the ashes at Austin T and, and built it into a playoff-level team, and he sort of uh, built a young program at Charlotte, and uh, I mean, he's early in that tenure, obviously, but he, he's done good work there, and, and he has been tasked with getting a community to embrace a program, and, and, and he's done that at Charlotte, and uh, I think what he did at Austin Peay early in his tenure there in terms of recruiting and in terms of generating an interest in that program that it had never had. I mean, uh, a program to, to win basically 40 or lose 47 straight games essentially when he arrived and, and to get the kind of interest that he got from the, from the community and from the state of Tennessee and, and get the kind of attendance he got at, at junior days. That's all really compelling, right? And, and, and uh, attractive. Um, so does, is, is that, does that translate better to Vanderbilt or does, you know, Clark Lee's experience at Bowling Green, Wake Forest, UCLA, Notre Dame, sort of seeing the different levels of football and the different resources it takes to be successful at this stop, um, and, 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 and now seeing at the highest level and like a playoff level football team, you know, is that going to be a better, a better fit? I think it's going to be an interesting question that the committee will be faced with, assuming those are the guys. And that seems to be speculation at this point, but um, but they're certainly going to be in the mix. And, and I think that, that Will Healy's energy um, and, and kind of exuberance within that role is, is, is absolutely something that is going to be appealing. Because that's a guy I know well, too, and, and I'm a big believer in and, and think he's fantastic. Um, but but obviously the strengths there are very different. And, uh, and, and, and yet, you know, in some ways, both very compelling and attractive Barton Simmons from CBS Sports great writer with the insight on the Vanderbilt coaching search Barton thank you so much man really appreciate it have a great weekend yes anytime thank you Paul coming up a rant on Adoree Jackson it's on the way people are looking at Adoree Jackson, which needs an incredibly big reset. I will help you all get there next.